Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is Thanks for the Knowledge, the weekly fanbite news show rounding up the headlines and games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I am your host, John Warren. This week, I spoke with fanbite.com guides editor Dylan Skiffington about learning to fly planes and what's new in Genshin Impact. But before we get to that, let's dive into this week's top story. Sony will shut down old digital PlayStation storefronts this summer in a move that is making game preservationists and general consumers extremely nervous for the future of game access. The PlayStation 3 and PSP storefronts will shut down on July 2nd, while the Vita will follow later on August 27th, according to a report from The Gamer. So the rush is on. Get to those storefronts soon before they shut things down to ensure that you have downloads saved and backed up of games you've either purchased or intend to purchase. PlayStation 5 consoles play most PlayStation 4 games, and there could be plans in the works for more backward compatibility in the future, but this isn't confirmed or announced or even rumored, right? <laughs> so what we're seeing is a massive holder of old content, shifting to a more and more digital model, but also removing access to older digital content, and also creating hardware that de-emphasizes physical software. Though the PlayStation 5 has both a physical and digital hardware skew, the clear emphasis moving forward is on digital sales. All things equal, there's a simplicity to digital. Less physical waste, less overhead cost to manufacture, lower barriers to entry for developers, but things aren't equal. Those saved overhead costs are not passed on to the consumer in most cases. Barriers to, barriers to entry are pop, propped back up in various other ways. And most importantly, these massive corporations can, at the drop of a hat, decide whether their content disappears from availability altogether. It's tougher for folks in rural areas to deal with an all-digital future because U.S. infrastructure is still years behind. It's expensive to buy memory cards and backup devices just to ensure that none of your content you rightfully own disappears from your library. All of these things and more make me scared and sad for a digital future. But remember, there are always other ways to play games that are unavailable to you. <clears throat> My guest this week is our very own guides editor and the person most likely to uh, tell me very, very grave problems with our website at the most inopportune moments of my life. It's Dylan Skiffington. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I know you're I'm not, not wrong. wrong. I know I'm not wrong. And also, right before we got on this podcast, I was fixing a mic issue and some other stuff was going on. And you you alluded to it reminding you of uh, some Jonas Brothers song. And I would like to ask you about that now, please. I, I don't know how much there is to explain. It's just that I don't know. Back when, you know, gyms were open and uh, I needed <laughs> new music to listen to frequently, I would just stick on the radio. And there was a Nick Jonas song that would always come on called Levels. Uh-huh. Called levels, and, and yeah, so and when says, I was he, telling you I was checking my levels, you were like, "You should listen to this Nick Jonas song." Yeah, he says levels a whole bunch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, that's fine. No, that makes sense. That's um, a good song. Yeah, no, it's a good song. Sure, I just you know, it's just very funny that that's how your brain works. Um, you have a beautiful mind. I think if they make a sequel to Beautiful Mind, it should be about you. Just, oh God. I'm just saying, um, Dylan, you play a lot of things that I don't play. So I want yeah. to talk to you about those things. Okay. Um, like, like what? Like Genshin what? impact. This no, game, what? this game has made a billion dollars since it came out, which is wild. Uh, and I kind of stopped covering it 
after it first came out. We had a 99 Potions episode that was good, and we had some cool stuff on the site about it. But I've really kind of dropped off of my awareness of it, although I see it all the time. Like, a lot of folks on my timeline are still playing this game a lot. And I guess I want to know what this game is like now uh, versus when it first launched. And also, what do you think is... Uh, the driver behind all of the the continued success of this game. Yeah, uh, so not much is actually all that different since it launched. Um, the the core of the game is still cha- uh, the same, outside of a few balance changes. Yeah, uh, but like so far, the major updates have been like one of the the, the first big one was like they added a mountain to the game, like just like a new area, uh, which for the record they've promptly forgotten about and never finished like fully fleshing it out like it, you go there for some quests and then there's no reason ever really to return um and they've done a, a, a bunch of like events for like you know the lunar new year uh yeah. and a whole bunch of other stuff like that uh but outside of that all literally all they've done is release characters and um release new weapons and uh, occasionally like new bosses and stuff but there's there's very few like fundamental changes in how the game exists. Yeah. Uh, that said, they have like those events do have like really cool things. Like the first event had a, a, a tower defense game essentially. Oh, wow. Um, and the one that's live right now uh, basically has guitar hero in it or, or like how kind of like how Warframe does uh, where you're, you're playing the game's music on a loot or whatever a harp, whatever it is. And uh, if you get like enough points during the thing, you can actually buy one just to use whenever you want while you're roaming around the the countryside or whatever. Wait, so if you if you play the instrument good enough in this mode, then you can buy the instrument to play wherever you want. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But it's not like playing music though. It's just like you can right. just hit keys and make your own music kind of thing. Sure. Now, um, does that have a benefit? It like can can you like perform for people that way? I mean, if you're playing with friends, if you and you want to, you can. Amazing. Um, yeah, Genshin's a, a bit of a weird game in that front, though, because you can't. You can play co-op together, but it only progresses like the main person. Mm. Uh, quest-wise, yeah. So, like, you can go and hang out, and you can go and grind together, but you can't really like. Well, actually, you can't even grind like the the, the most difficult stuff together. But uh, do you see them? Do you see them fixing that in the future? I mean, I I say fixing that that may not be the right word for it, but it's like you, you look at a game like No Man's Sky that that started from this is a massively procedural world that you're basically exploring by yourself to uh, this is mostly a, a persistent multiplayer game now. Like, what is do you think that Genshin Impact might have the same path, or do you think they'll kind of stick to what what they're doing? I mean, maybe. Uh, I guess it depends on what the community ends up, you know, demanding. Right. Uh, right now, the only multiplayer I ever really see is just people taking their characters and doing things together, mm, okay. uh, like pictures and recording videos and making silly stuff, rather than like actually playing together. Uh, since you can play as like any character um, or most characters in the game, so people would just like do that and have the characters interact in a way that they wouldn't normally in like the story or quests or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like they could, you know, flesh that out a bit, but I think primarily it's going to remain a single player thing, especially because so many people play on phones. Yeah, that's true. Um, are you still enjoying it or are you kind of playing it because you, you feel like you have to? Uh, I'm enjoying it more than I ever have. I will say okay. that much. All right. Um, 
most mostly because I got through all of the uh, the main quest, which is quite long and kind of boring. Uh huh. Um, it's you know it's it's not riveting writing, and there's lots of boring fetch quests, side quests, uh, and all that that stuff. Does, um, and now does, pay, does Paymon get like more buck wild as the game goes on, or kind of stays the same throughout? No, Paimon basically stays annoying the entire time. Uh, I, I, when I first started the game, I actually switched to Japanese just because I was tired of hearing voices that I understood. Like, I can't tell how good or bad Japanese voice acting is, right? Like, sure. I can, I can tell how bad the English is, and it's not awful, but it's just annoying. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like that's a choice. Like, it's annoying as a choice. It feels like, which is interesting. Um, yeah, but yeah. Um, Okay, well, okay, Genshin Impact made a billion dollars. Does that surprise you that it, it's done that well? No, I mean, it's a gotcha game, right? And they're always releasing new yeah. characters. And unsurprisingly, uh, the characters that have earned the most money are either very good or are attractive people. Yeah. Uh, and the ones that have done the worst are either just <laughs> okay or the least attractive people. Or they're uggos. <laughs> the uggos <laughs> made the least amount of money. Oh, no. I can't yeah. believe they've done this. Um, I mean, they've earned a lot of money. That's it's it's yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a ton of money. I mean, I I don't think it 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 didn't it didn't surprise me that that game had done well, but I think it earning a billion in revenue was a bit of a shock, even to me, because um, that's just a number you don't hear a whole lot, even out you know outside of kind of the AAA realm. Like you said, I mean, gotcha games do make a lot of money, but. Um, yeah, this, this continues to be kind of a surprise for, for me. And I think for the industry, especially, um, as we're heading into, you know, the, the second half of, uh, its first year of existence. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the game for sure. Yeah. I, I wish I had the, uh, the numbers to compare it to. I don't, I don't know. Like I, you know, I've played a bunch of gotcha games gotcha on my games. phone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and I, I don't know how well they did during their, you know, first few months or whatever. So I'd, I'd be curious to see how it stacks well, up i mean do, have you played a gotcha game i mean you've played a lot of them have, uh, is there one in mind that has threaded the needle so deftly between like kind of deep gameplay and and those gotcha mechanics uh i think genshin's probably the best out of all those yeah. um i think fire emblem was pretty good fire emblem heroes was pretty good when it first launched but it's yeah kind of ballooned and now it's just like i don't know what the right word is there's just too many different game modes too many different currencies the the power creep has gone on for like three years yeah uh and it's kind of evolved into like this monster that is hard to get into now yeah yeah but, but i think probably probably fire emblem when it when it first came out was really good i wonder how much how much success they had right out of the gate yeah yeah um, I want to talk to you about another game that I know you've played a lot of, and I have a lot of questions about, um, you spent most of your 2020, it seemed like learning how to actually fly a plane, uh, with Microsoft flight simulator. <laughs> um, I remember there was a stretch where you were looking up like flight manuals to write your guides, which was, uh, completely wild. T- take me on a journey from, the moment this game was announced to the fact that you're looking up all this incredibly deep information to, 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 to deepen your understanding of this game, because that path was not clear for me. Like when, when this was first announced my, in my mind, I wasn't like, 
oh, Dylan's going to become a pervert for a Microsoft Flight Simulator. I just didn't think that immediately. But you have, and I want to know about that journey. Yeah, I mean, I, I really wasn't actually following it all that closely because I was never into, like, simulator games. Right. And then it was just out on Game Pass. And I was like, you know, maybe I'll download and check this out. Um, And then, like most people, you, you load in and you're like, I don't know how to fly a plane. <laughs> and... <laughs> It's a really rough experience until you know how to use autopilot because you're doing a lot of manual flying, which means you're all over the darn place because <laughs> at that point you don't even know what trim is on a plane, you know, to keep it going forward. Uh-huh. To keep it to keep it level essentially. So you're just up and down constantly. Um and I think I played through like some of the tutorial. Uh but I ultimately ended up just like watching hours and hours of YouTube videos to figure out how stuff works and how I should be using all this stuff, like just how to take off, how to land, um, how to fly, how to trim a plane, all that stuff. And um, eventually that led to me like getting into, you know, once you understand how to fly a plane, then you want to try to fly different planes. And then Mm -hmm. once you understand how to fly those planes, then you're like, well, now I want to fly properly. So how do I fly properly? Like, how am I actually (laughs) supposed to land a plane? So then you have to like look up the, the, the departure and the arrival and the the landing charts of each airport that you're going to and figure out like what the proper approaches are, you know, like what, uh, what flight level you should be at, like how high you should be, you know, like you must be above this, you must be between this, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, how to, how to properly manage your speed. God, it, it just, it, it went on and on and on. And then, God, I don't even know. It, it gets so complicated so quickly. <laughs> You were looking up some crazy stuff. I think like, I think maybe one of my questions I have is like, do you feel like you have a better real world awareness of aviation and how commercial aviation works? Like because of this game? Well, I feel like I should never ever worry about a plane crashing. Really interesting. Why? It's, it's it's hard to crash a plane. It really is. Dylan, I've played a few hours of that game and it is not hard to crash a plane. I will say that it's hard. (laughs) Okay, so uh, so specifically, you mean on autopilot? It's it's really tough to crash plane. Yeah, because like it'll just adjust to whatever the actual world is doing. Like, the, mm. If you get hit by a gust of wind, the plane will just adjust like nothing. Like it, it, the the pilots have so much control and can do so much stuff that realistically, there's no reason really to ever be worried. That's um, interesting. That's actually weirdly comforting to me as someone who is terrified of flying the idea that you know people are playing this game gaining an understanding of autopilot and going like yeah i don't think i don't think planes are gonna crash most of the time because i am just one of those people that i will be on a plane and there is one little bump of turbulence and i'm like well that's it the engines have failed and we're going down so you know like for people like me now that i'm kind of listening to you talk about it i'm like oh, you know what like Maybe I should uh, play a little bit more in this game to gain an understanding of of how planes work. Yeah, there's only a few times where I was like actually worried in mm-hmm. my like hundred plus hours of playing Flight Simulator. Uh, one of them was like my first time where I was uh, flying a plane in Korea with basically no visibility. Oh wow! And and this was before I was into it enough to bother looking up how tall mountains were. Mm. Um. And I was uh, I was basically just flying from one side of Korea to the other, and there's this string of mountains in the middle, uh, and I didn't know how how high they were. But uh, the in game 
uh, air traffic control wanted me to, to descend. I uh, didn't really listen to it. Yeah. And uh, could have crashed into a mountain, which would have been great. Yeah. So air traffic was basically just telling you what to do. That's yeah, wild. Yeah. And, and would have flown me into a mountain because uh, <laughs> I couldn't see a thing. And I think the, the other time I was flying over Japan yeah, and there was uh, some real bad turbulence. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There was like a hurricane in the area. Uh, a few uh, are coming to the area. Because there's and, real time weather, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And so it's taking the real weather that's going on in the world, applying it to the, the geo stuff. So what you were experiencing at that moment was actually what pilots were experiencing in real life. Yeah. I mean, if you look it up online, there's, there was like a turbulence warning for the area. Wow. Um, below a certain height or whatever. And I, I was flying the plane and it was so turbulent. I was worried the plane was going to tear itself apart. Wow. Like, we were, I, I was just flying along and like, I would suddenly drop like 600 feet. Oh my just God. It was, it was so turbulent. <laughs> That's so like, scary. I, I was, I, I was using one of those, uh, career add-ons. I was, I, I wrote about the other day and, uh, I, at that point I still had the, the, uh, infer, enforce like real world limitations or whatever. So you're not supposed to exceed certain G force. Yeah. Uh, and it went off like three or four times because it went up to like two or three G's of the plane, just dropping or, or climbing suddenly. And it was, it was, it was wild. God, that's scary. That's scary. Do you feel like you can fly a plane? Like, like, no, if, no you really don't like if, if no. so, okay. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to paint a scenario for you. Okay. You are on a trans Pacific flight. You're going to Seoul halfway through the plate, the flight, the, the pilots get on and they go, we all ate some Wendy's from LAX and we're all in the bathroom where we have really bad diarrhea and none of us can fly the plane. We need someone to do it. You don't think you could at least step in for, I don't know, two hours while they, while they get all the Wendy's out of their system. I mean, if it's on autopilot, I can watch it. Okay. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I specifically don't have a ton of experience with the airliners. Um, okay. I'm mostly flying like uh, the general aviation stuff, like Cessnas and right. uh, like turboprops, which is probably like it's like smaller private jets. You know, like okay, five, like five people private jets. Sure, or not not even like jets because they're props technically. Right. So you could you could you could fly for Sandpiper Air, the fictitious airline in the show Wings, the, the Fraser and cheer spinoff because they, <laughs> they basically just went to regional airports in the Northeast area, you know? So like, that's, that sounds like you could do, and, and they, they flew to Connecticut too. So you could basically like move back to your corner of the world and fly little prop planes with people on them. I think you could do that. And I think that should be what you do in your next stage of life. Oh boy. I, I mean, I, <laughs> well, <laughs> what I will say is like, the hard part about flying a plane is takeoff and landing. Anything in yeah. between is is generally easy. Yeah. Like if we're in the air, I can set up the the autopilot. Like the the systems in You can set up the autopilot. You really believe that. You can sit down and like kind of cold figure out how to turn on the autopilot. Yeah, if it's if if it's a Garmin G one thousand or a G three thousand, yeah. I God, see that's fucking cool. Like I think that's really cool. I think that's like a goofy thing to kind of know how to do, but like, I don't know. That seems neat that a video game taught you that. Yeah, I mean if we need to descend or, you know, turn or any of that stuff, I can do it as long as we're in the air. Just don't ask me to land or Okay. Or take off because I don't 
I mean, anything anything that involves me actually touching sure. the joystick or right. the controls. I, so when I, I, I've never done that. So. so when pilots are landing, because I don't, I actually don't know the answer to this question. When pilots are landing, they are actually landing the plane, correct? Uh, depends on the plane. Okay. For general aviation stuff, yeah. Okay. Um, for like, uh, for like the airliners and stuff. Depends on how what their approach is, what kind gotcha. of, uh, what kind of like if they're using a VOR or an ILS or an RNAV. Depends. Uh, some of them will get you like right up to when you're like 500 feet above. Oh, okay. Um, some of them do have the ability to automatically land. I just don't know how often what that's a, used. Because what a bizarre thing. We're gonna get you basically 99.9 percent there, but in the in the crucial moment that you need to go from 500 feet to nothing, it's it's all you, baby. Like that's I don't know. That's like really funny to me for some reason. Yeah, um, I mean, actual actual flying is just a bunch of checklists. Yeah, that's, that's all it really is. Yeah. there's a way to do everything, and the pilots very very rarely have to just be like. Well, this isn't on the list. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, what's the longest flight you've done in, in the game? Oh, probably around two hours. I'm not, I'm not a long haul. Okay. Kind of so person. you haven't done one of those, like I'm going to do it to an hour trip from Dallas to London or whatever. No, I, I tend not to fly again. The reason I don't, I don't fly so many airliners is just because you're flying at like 40,000 feet and there's yeah. nothing really to look there's at. You're just like, at. yeah, that's true. There's, there's no real reason to do it. Yeah. Um, and part of the reason I, I do play flight simulator is just to see what the hell the world looks like. Right. And to get like an accurate, um, to get like an accurate idea of how far things actually are. Like I've flown around Japan and Korea a lot in China. Uh, but yesterday I flew from, not yesterday it was, it was this week I flew from, uh, Long Island, uh, over to Connecticut. Yeah. And I, I don't know how far that distance is. I was, you know, young yeah, in Connecticut. It's not, I still it's not too far, but yeah. I mean, I moved away from Connecticut after college. Yeah. And um, for a long time, I really had no idea how far things were because it's just like memories of when you're a kid. So your sense of time and distance are just warped. Yeah. Because back then, 15 minutes was a long time to be in a car. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now and now but, you live in Los Angeles and now your time, your concept of time is totally different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but like I was I was on Long Island and I got up to like 3,000 feet and I can see across the entire, you know, Long Island Sound. And I was like, I never realized it was that close. Like it took me 30 right. minutes to fly from Long Island to Connecticut. That's really interesting. To like central Connecticut. Like yeah. that's, that's not far. Yeah. Um. So like my – it just gives you like a sense – it just gives you like a sense of scale that I I never really had before. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, well, okay. I'm convinced that you're going to, at some point in the next 25 years, you're going to fly me in a plane. I'm just calling it now. I don't know why I feel like it's going to happen. I feel like you're going to, this game has like implanted a, a worm in your head about you're going to quit and become a pilot. And I think you're going to run a regional airport and fly your own planes and I'll be your first customer. You need a lot of money. Well, I don't know uh, if I can help you there. Maybe Kickstarter. Maybe Patreon. Yeah, like, has everyone has anyone ever done a Patreon for a pilot? <laughs> I pay me two thousand dollars per flight. Um, I guess you need a lot more than that. Jet fuel is really expensive. Yeah, um, yeah. The planes I like to fly are like you know five to fifteen million. So you know, God. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. 
we will get there. Um, hey, the circle's coming out again. Did you see that? Oh, God, why? Wow. I, I did. <laughs> I'm surprised you remember this. Yeah. Come on. It's the circle. The Netflix show, uh, The Circle, which is uh, something that you told us all about. I did. Me and Nikki. Yeah. We watched it. Yeah. I, it was funny. I was I was watching the trailer because Netflix really released a trailer that was not just The Circle. It was some other show, too. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't even watching it with sound. I was just like, oh, these were, this was a fun season. It was very wholesome or whatever. And, right. You know, I, I, I watched that season with my partner or whatever. And I'm like, would I like to watch another season? Like, I wonder how different that show is now that it's, uh, now that we're all in like quarantine or whatever. Right. I mean, the, the base premises of it actually works for COVID times because they're all locked in separate rooms. Yeah. But I mean, in theory, they all meet up at some point. Right. I mean, I think the funny part is that, you know, a few people pointed this out, but it's like the show is coming. The, the second season of the show on Netflix is coming out as we are. Mm, I won't say exiting the pandemic because I think we're at high risk of having a fourth wave with all these folks being uh, half vaccinated and thinking that they're fine now. Um, but but, you know, it's the tail end, we think, of it. And it's just very funny to me that now the show is coming out where they could have made probably four or five of these things during COVID, but didn't, which I think is very interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Are you going to, are you going to watch it? You're going to watch it. You're, you're, you're a super fan. Yeah. I mean, I'll, yeah, I'll probably watch it. I mean, I, I mainly watched it because my partner wanted to. Sure. Yeah. Uh, blame, what will yeah. rather what happens. All. Yeah. Blame everything. What always on your happens. Part, blame happen. everything on your partner, Dylan. That's no, fine. no, it's it's just the usual where she's watching something and then I'm like, I'm not really watching it. But then, you know, I hear some things. I, I glance over and I start following it in like the back of my mind. And then eventually I'm like, all right, I'm just going to start I'm watching invested. this thing. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. That happens more often than not where she's watching something that I have no interest in watching. But I just she keeps watching it and watching it and watching it. And then I start watching. I it. mean, that's how that's how Ian got me with 90 Day Fiance. So it's like, I, you know, I was like, Wow. What a brazen, terrible concept of a show. Just exploiting our absolutely wild and terrible immigration practices and also smearing foreign people who are just trying to make a better life for themselves or find the love of their life. I'm like, wow, what a disgusting concept. And then five minutes later, I'm like deeply, deeply fucking invested <laughs> in this trash. And then we're like six seasons in and I'm just like, I know all these people by name. I've watched the after shows, everything else. Uh, Paul has pointed out that uh, uh, he is the same of Vanderpump rules. Um, and I, I'm proud to say I've seen every episode of Vanderpump rules at least once. So, <laughs> a lot of racists on that show, it turns out, but it was fun while it lasted, I guess. Um, <laughs> I was always worried when you say there's a lot of racists, but <laughs> but uh, when the, when I didn't know that, it was fun. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I'll say about that. Um, Dylan, what else are you playing these days? Uh, working my way through uh, Outer Worlds, finally. Um, oh really? What else? Yeah. Are you doing yeah, the DLC like, that that came out too, or are you just kind of main quest? I'm right still now? working through the, the the main story. I just uh, I just finished up on the the I don't know what the the I, I wanted to call it the Glycon, but that's Destiny. Mm. Um, the 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 ship you go to that isn't owned by any corporations. 
I don't know what it's called, but it's after the first planet. I'm, I haven't been to most. I'm still very early in the game. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like maybe 10 hours in. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I'm enjoying it. Um, I, I just finished uh, doing Parvati's romance with, uh, I don't remember her name. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a fun, that was a fun one. That game is, yep. that game is very wholesome sometimes. Yep. Yeah. I enjoy it. It's very. Parvati's good. Parvati's a good character. One of the, one of the more underrated characters from the past couple of years, I would say. Yeah, when it's not doom and gloom and reminding us of how much capitalism sucks, it's very wholesome. Yeah, yeah. When it's not just cramming but fairly surface-level bad satire about capitalism down our throats, it's pretty good. Um, do you think that's uh, – I don't know. Do you think that's going to get a, another look? Like I, I think obviously the the it's interesting now that Obsidian is under – the Microsoft umbrella along with Bethesda, which I also want to ask you about in a second. Um, so outer worlds is out. Uh, we have that pillars of eternity RPG that looked an awful lot like an elder Scrolls game, which is going to come out and still be under the same umbrella, which is, is very fascinating. Um, what do you, what do you see for obsidian? If you had to guess, like, are they going to double down on some of these things? Or do you think we'll start to see more, cross-pollination between Obsidian and these other studios like they used to do. I'm honestly curious to see how how much if any Microsoft gets involved in all this stuff. Mm, mm-hmm. Mostly because of Bethesda game studios. Right. Because uh, I mean the, the the rumors say that Starfield is coming out this year. I don't I don't Which know how a game that hasn't even been revealed really. That was a rumor that that was a rumor that dropped this week from someone who from I think it was Jeff Grubb, right? Who yeah. who basically said, you know, he's not right a hundred percent of the time, but he's uh, right a lot. Um and that's the rumor which seemed shocking to me. Almost as shocking as when Final Fantasy sixteen was announced and Jason Schreier was like, Yeah, I think it's coming out this year, which was nuts to me. Um so yeah, I mean, do you do you buy that, or do you think that's that's probably not going to happen? I mean, it's hard to believe considering we haven't even seen gameplay of the thing yet, right. right? Like all we've seen is a we don't even know what the game's about. All we've seen is space, right? We've seen like one trailer, yeah. so it seems weird to me that it would actually come out this year when you, no one knows anything about it. I mean, do you? I I think Todd Howard is obviously a uh, a wonderful hybrid kind of creator producer business person like he has obviously had a lot of success in his career but like i do think he's maybe gained a reputation over the past like four or five games that 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 they've released of uh maybe dipping his toe into the peter molyneux pool of like you know maybe over promising the the vibe and the mechanics of his games i mean i remember the fallout 4 presentation very very clearly where he kept on saying it just works over and over and over again and frankly most of the stuff that he was talking about didn't work um do you think maybe they're reining him in and just like doing a big reveal all at once or or you know do you still think that you know this hype cycle is going to be part of their their games going forward yeah i'm curious i think they've definitely gotten a little more careful since what happened with fallout 76 just because I, I remember they had todd on stage hyping that thing up and then it came out and then todd disappeared todd disappeared time. very quickly yeah he vanished into thin air uh so i think they're just trying to be super careful about that i don't 
like when it comes to Obsidian, my main thing is if Starfield comes out this year, then maybe Obsidian just does what it does. Right. But if Starfield is still a long ways off, then that means, you know, Elder Scrolls could be like eight to 10 years away, which is a long Which is time. crazy to me. Yeah. And I don't think we've already waited 10 years since Skyrim. Like, can you imagine going 20 years with no Elder Scrolls games considering how? No, I can't. No, I can't. I don't think it will either. I mean, I, I, I think, I think they, they, my, my hunch is that they have over, they have overstated how far away it is. I, mm-hmm. I think they are deliberately saying, listen, you're not going to hear about this until we get Starfield out the door, but that doesn't mean that they don't have a whole team working on it. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know. Like I, I agree. It, it The the timeline that they seem to be explicitly point, like putting in front of us, you're right. It, it seems like it's, a, we're looking at seven to 10 years away, but like, yeah, I I'm with you. I just don't see that happening. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Microsoft would sooner have obsidian start like pre-production on something right. than yeah. to let, Elder Scrolls or the next Fallout game go that long. Right. Because that's Fallout's even farther away. Right. So I don't know. Bethesda's like announced all these games that they're going to make, but yeah. And Bethesda time, that's like a decade. So I don't it's know. It's a long, long time. Um, Elder Scrolls Online. I, I won't ask you a ton about that. I think we still want to have you on an episode 99 potions, but is, is the continued success of that game contributing to the long latency for, for elder scrolls six, do you think? Maybe I think it definitely buys them time. Okay. I just don't know how much time it has or will buy. Right. Because a lot of what that game has done has been a nostalgia machine too. Right. It's just like, you know, they put out Morrowind, uh, and you know, last year they did Skyrim. Um, and this year they're doing Oblivion, right? Prize. Um, so like, th- th- they've kind of exhausted that now. I also yeah. think it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, upcoming Elder Scrolls games kind of deal with the fact that a lot of the areas that the main games haven't been to have now been defined in an MMO. Yeah, like this is what the space looks like, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious to see how that affects things. Cause there's actually very little space that hasn't been defined as, you know, right now, like if you go look at a map of Elder scrolls online, it's, it's covered most areas. Yeah. At this so point, they're, they're, they're running out of places. They're, they're going to have to do some dimensional shifting, like the shimmering aisles or something, if they want to do, do something different. Right. Yeah. Which is probably why they're doing oblivion yep. now, because they're just, just running out of space, running out of new places to visit. Yeah interesting um did you know this is this is going to be one of those little synergistic comments but did you know that every single player named gary in the national basketball association was traded this week no and it reminded me of that one vault in fallout 3 where everyone is named gary and they're just running at you going gary just over and over and over again but that's true every player named gary was traded this week in the NBA. did they also run around yelling gary at each other? i hope so i really hope so i hope all of them got into a room and uh just started saying gary 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 over and over and over again um even the pokemon rival showed up <laughs> unbelievable uh dylan i want to thank you for hanging out with me telling me how to uh fly a plane and uh educating me about Genshin impact and stuff like that uh if people want to find you online where should they do that 
<laughs> on uh, Twitter, uh, at Swiblin. Uh, that's S Q U I B L O N. I'm not going to say. So it's not, it's like, kind of, it's kind of like Dylan, but with a squib. Yes. <laughs> okay. I hate you so much. Uh, and if you want to check out all the wonderful guides uh, that Dylan and Colin write, you can do so at fanby.com slash guides. Uh, they really are the best in the biz at this stuff. We cover a lot of ground uh, with very little, actually. Uh, so they do a great job with all that. Um, Dylan, I, you know, I miss seeing you in an office. Maybe at some point when we're both vacuumed, uh, we'll reunite once again. Get until, Coco or something. But until then, I will. Uh, I'll talk to you on the Yeah. Let's do a quick roundup of a bunch of other stories from the week, shall we? On Friday's ID at Xbox Showcase, Drinkbox Studios emerged out from under the luchador mask they donned for Guacamelee to unveil Nobody Saves the World, an action RPG where you use mag- where you use a magic wand to take many different forms to defeat enemies and solve puzzles. Looks cute. Definitely has that Drinkbox visual charm going for it, too. The fascinating thing is that they're going Microsoft exclusive with this, it seems. It'll launch for PC, Xbox One, and Xbox series x and s it'll also be on game pass guacamelee its sequel and severed all appeared on sony consoles first marking a shift for the studio another xbox news xbox live is dead well kind of the name is at least the moniker for microsoft's online access is changing from xbox live to xbox network effective immediately the xbox network service is basically simply the umbrella for things like game pass gold and game pass ultimate Bloomberg is reporting that a rumored Switch Pro will not only have a fancy OLED screen, which we knew already, uh, but will in fact be powered by beefier NVIDIA technology, leveraging proprietary resolution software. That's just one way of saying NVIDIA's Deep Learning Super Sampling, or DLSS. This tech uses AI to upscale resolution, which we've seen before on PC prototypes and re-renders of games from the PlayStation 1 era, for example. It's not a perfect technology, but it will be used to display games in 4K when the Nintendo Switch is docked. Reggie Fizami, former Nintendo of America boss, joined GameStop's board of directors a year ago and is now set to leave the board alongside other major figures like former Walmart CEO William Simon and PetSmart CEO James Simanchik. GameStop CFO Jim Bell's resignation takes effect on Friday the 26th. These shifts punctuate a wild year for GameStop, which saw massive backlash against in-store COVID policies and one of the biggest swings in stock price in the history of the market as part of a bonkers short squeeze. Uh, One last note, if you're planning on grabbing Balan Wonderworld, make sure you play it after the day one patch is applied. The current version of the game without the patch has a sequence during the final boss fight which could trigger seizures in folks with photosensitivity. Square and Balan Company are calling this a bug, but it's still unclear how things like this or a similar sequence in Cyberpunk 2077 made it past certification. I was sad to see that both Jessica Walter and Larry McMurtry passed away this week. Jessica Walter, of course, uh, passed away at the age of 80, and she was an actress who starred as Lucille Bluth in, uh, in Arrested Development and was also in Archer, it's Archer's mom. Uh, she was also in a uh, thriller, uh, one of Clint Eastwood's first direct uh, directorial uh, movies called Play Misty for Me, where she played an obsessed fan of a radio DJ, and that role was 
super bonkers. I, I really think you should go check it out. Uh, her career marked a, a mold, many, many decades. And um, her turn as Lucille Bluth uh, was one of those things that, you know, my mom and I, we watched every episode of Rest of Development. Uh, I think a lot about my mom when I think about Lucille Bluth, which like sounds terrible, but uh, it's really just that we thought that show was so funny. Um, and, you know, Lucille Bluth as that character, I mean, there's such a, a heel and wrestling analogy I could make where, you know, she was so funny and shoot scenery so much that uh, you couldn't help but kind of love her, even though she was a detestable character. And Jessica Walter really brought that to life. Uh, Jessica Walter was also um, integral in speaking out about uh, Jeffrey Tambor's like uh, history of um, uh, verbal abuse and things like that on set, uh, among other things. And was mostly ostracized for it, uh, even amongst her co-stars on Arrested Development. And that was really tough to watch. Um, she was a really special lady. And I uh, I don't know. Uh, everyone says nice things about her. And she was just a super, super talented actress. Um, everyone says she's super funny on set. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll miss her a lot. Mary, Larry McMurtry, on the other hand, is a Texas literary legend. I grew up in Texas, in case you didn't know. And um, Lonesome Dove is a great miniseries on TV. Of course, it's based on uh, a series of books, which I recommend. Um, Larry McMurtry has such a uh, had such a uh, a way with the poetry of the West, um, and a lot of the the old West was ugly, um, and certainly racist, and certainly hard, and not very glamorous, but. There was a poetry he injected into a lot of his work, a lot of his novels. Um, and I've read I've read quite a few of his novels. But my mom also introduced me to Larry McMurtry, has read, I think, all of his stuff. And so those two deaths have just really kind of upended me in terms of, uh, you know, thinking about things that I bonded with my mom about and stuff like that. My mom is still with us, thankfully. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, just thinking about her and the way – um, I kind of grew up consuming certain things and the reasons I consumed them and, and enjoyed them and because she showed me a lot of the stuff. So I just wanted to reflect on that uh, as a parting note. Uh, those two figures were actually pretty influential in my life, uh, and I kind of didn't realize it until they were both gone. So uh, anyway, uh, Jessica Walter was 80, Larry McMurtry was 84, uh, and I will miss both of their works. That's it for this week's episode. I want to thank Dylan Skiffington for dropping by and teaching me how to uh, land a plane safely in an emergency situation. Uh, if you want to check out all of our great guides, you can do that over at fanbyte.com slash guides. They're the best in the biz. Dylan and Colin do a great job. Uh, if you want to check out our coverage of Monster Hunter Rise, that is going to be out by the time you listen to this. We have a wonderful review podcast over on the channel F podcast feed as well as a bunch of coverage over at fanbyte.com uh, if you want to follow me on twitter you can do that at floppy adult if you want to follow our wonderful producer paul tamayo you can do that over at Polly mayo and if you want to check out all of our podcasts you can do so at podcastnet.work Whew. okay folks until next week you're welcome you're welcome